the hardest thing about starting a company and leaving a stable career is just taking that initial jump and actually doing it. But like once you get pushed off that ledge, like there's no going back. If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller and I'm a singer songwriter. I make a living doing what I love and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to Slack for supporting this podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. That's slack.com. This episode is also brought to you by RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar with no BS. Get 25% off your first order at rxbar.com slash dreamjob and use promo code dreamjob. That's rxbar.com slash dreamjob and promo code dreamjob. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Try ShipStation for free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code dreamjob. Remember, that's 30 days free and get an additional month free with promo code DREAMJOB. Hi, guys. It's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I want to remind you week after week that you're not alone. I know what it feels like to have a different way of looking at the world, to feel maybe a little more than you think other people do, and to want to do something that makes an impact and to want to have something that feels purposeful to wake up to every day and to want to contribute. I know what it feels like to see things and to care about other people and to walk into a restaurant and to speak to the waiter or waitress and to feel what it is they're feeling and to speak to family members and maybe feel like you're the black sheep because you're seeing and feeling things that you're not sure everyone else is feeling. You're not alone. You're not. And what I'm here to do is to remind you to reach and to hopefully inspire you to reach because when you reach a little further and you take that chance and you start working on your craft and you start to put it out there in the world, you are going to find your tribe. And have you ever had these experiences? I know for myself in my life, I've had so many experiences where sometimes I have these moments where I just start to think that No one will really get it or no one really get me or maybe there aren't those people out there in the world who I would find so inspiring or learn from or think are so amazing. And then something happens and I put something out there or I take a chance or someone invites me to something and I show up and I meet someone and I'm reminded that there are certainly people out there in the world who get it and who are so inspiring and who inspire me to reach even higher and I start to meet people who remind me that I'm not alone and you're not and what I'm saying is there's something that you have inside of you that someone else needs to hear there's something that you have to say that someone else needs to hear and I want you to say it whatever it is and you are here to say that to say whatever it is that you're here to say. But whatever it is that you have to say, I'm telling you somebody else needs to hear it. And you're not alone. And 
if you just have the courage to just reach out your hand and just do the very next thing, you're going to be amazed at what starts to come out of you. It's like pulling. If you ever have a sweater and there's like one little thread that's out of place and you pull on it and all the other threads come along with it. If you just start, you sit down at the piano or you decide to pick up your paintbrush or you decide to get in the kitchen and start making something. There's so much in there that wants to come out. And I think that one of the reasons that we don't give it as much time as we want to is because there's something painful about reminding ourselves about how much is in there. And there's a lonely feeling like, well, maybe if I go for this, I'm going to be feeling like it'll never happen. And then I'll be more aware of how much I want it. So the stakes will be so high and I'm going to feel like I'm alone. So one thing I want to encourage you to do is reach out to other people listening to this show because they're they're also not alone and that you're here too listening. But maybe you're in your car, or maybe you're at the gym, or maybe you're on the train and someone else is, you know, three states away or two countries away. Um, but they might love hearing that you feel the way they do. So go to the Facebook page or post on Instagram. It's amazing also how once you do your thing, you meet people who inspire you more than words can say. And you're starting to see the parts of life that you always hoped existed and you realize that there is that tribe out there so we just have to trust and we're going to meet people who get us and we're going to get to get them so i hope that today you'll just take five minutes practice lifting up your head and what if for five minutes i know that most of the day you have this voice in your head that's telling you that it's not going to happen it's totally not realistic Nobody out there would get it anyway. You'd never get financing for it. You'd never have the time. Or the other voice might be saying, you're not talented enough or you're not good enough or it's not ready enough. For five minutes, just five minutes, I promise you can turn on all the self-doubting switches afterwards. But just for five minutes today, I want you to picture what really is also possible, which is that maybe right now you have everything that you need inside of you. Maybe right now, even though you're not perfect, You have exactly what you need in order to get it out there, in order to start. And maybe, just maybe, that if you put it out there, there's people waiting right now who are going to be so in sync with what it is that you have to say and what it is you have to share. So what about just trying on that thought for five minutes every day? Think about that today and try to spend five minutes letting that wash over you. You're not alone. You're absolutely not alone. And if you want to remind each other how you're not alone, come to our Facebook group, come to our Facebook page, post what you're up to. There's so much positivity. There's so much support there. And if you want to connect with me, go to nodayjobs.com, N-O-D-A-Y-J-O-B-S, nodayjobs.com and sign up. I'm going to pick a few people. If you're in LA, I'll meet you in person for coffee at one of my favorite coffee shops. If you're not in LA, then I can meet you over Skype um, online. So go to nodayjobs.com if you want to meet up with me and I'll let you know by the end of the week uh, who I'm going to meet with. But I'm excited about that. Okay, thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making your work life simpler and more productive. Slack connects the tools and services you need in one place, making it easier to reduce emails and streamline your team's communication. Slack allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up. No more switching across multiple tabs and platforms just to keep updated with work. It's easy and convenient. So I use this with my team multiple times a day, and it is awesome. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. That's slack, 
rxbar.com. Also, thanks to RX Bar for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar made with 100% whole ingredients and no BS. No added sugar, artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. RX Bars are made with a few simple clean ingredients where every ingredient serves a purpose. And real food ingredients actually taste really good. Okay, so you guys have to try these. My favorite flavor is peanut butter chocolate. So here's what's so cool. On the package, it says things like... Three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, two dates, no BS. Or it'll say things like three egg whites, 14 peanuts, two dates, no BS. Basically on the package, it tells you exactly what's in it and that is all. It is really awesome to be able to eat something knowing exactly what's in it and there's nothing added extra and it still tastes that good. You guys should definitely check these out. Get 25% off your first order at rxbar.com slash dreamjob and use the promo code dreamjob. That's rxbar.com slash dreamjob promo code dreamjob rxbar.com slash dreamjob promo code dreamjob this show is also brought to you by ShipStation. when you're selling online getting your orders out the door quickly can be tough that's why you need shipstation.com it's the fast and easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place so here's why i think this is awesome when i was interested and by the way if any of you do this i am interested in making t-shirts and mugs and tote bags things that have different quotes from our show on them Um, And so I had reached out to several people on Etsy whose work I really like to do hand lettering and make certain kinds of gifts. And I was talking to several people and the main issue that each one of these people was dealing with was that it was hard for them to scale up their business because when it came to shipping things, it was really difficult. Like every time they would have a bunch of orders, they'd have to make labels and figure out how much everything would weigh and how much postage they would need. Like the admin side of shipping things was really hard um, to take on. So when I was dealing with ShipStation, I was realizing how they just automate all of that stuff for you. So if you're somebody who has an Etsy shop, or if you're somebody who has any kind of product, whether you're using Shopify or Squarespace, whatever it is, ShipStation is just gonna really help you. So I would definitely uh, recommend checking it out. It's gonna help you ship everything. Right now, try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code DREAMJOB. Go to ShipStation.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DREAMJOB. That's ShipStation.com. Enter promo code DREAMJOB. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Okay, I'm so excited. We have Doug Bowden here. He is the president and COO of Halo Top. Has anybody tasted Halo Top ice cream? I'm sure the answer is yes. If you haven't, you can pretty much find it at any grocery store. They're in like 16 or 17,000 stores. They've been featured in GQ, Forbes, BuzzFeed, USA Today, The Today Show, uh, Pop Sugar. Wherever you go, you could probably have heard about them. Um, In fact, just yesterday, I follow Jessica Seinfeld. That's Jerry Seinfeld's wife. I follow her on Instagram, and she was uh, posting about how delicious Halo Top ice cream is and all the new pints of flavors that she had just bought. It's amazing. So let me tell you what this is. Um, And this isn't an ad. This is just me telling you what Halo Top is. Um, They didn't pay me to tell you this. So Halo Top is ice cream, but you can eat the whole pint. The whole pint is, let's say, 240 calories or 360 calories. So the entire pint is probably equal to one-sixth the calories of another pint. And it is ice cream. It's not fake. It's not Splenda. Halo Top is a low-calorie, high-protein, and low-sugar. So they use all the best natural ingredients, but they craft this ice cream. It tastes just like regular, fatty, real ice cream. I know it sounds too good to be true, but if you had tasted it, and some of you probably have, you're going to see why it's just really delicious. So I'm so excited that Doug is here because it is such a delicious ice cream. It is so much fun. The packaging is amazing. And then you actually taste it and you can't believe that something tastes this good and it's this good for you. So I'm so excited that Doug is here to tell us the whole story of how this began. 
So Doug, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So it's a funny story. So I eat um, Halo Top ice cream and a friend of mine was in my kitchen opening up my freezer because we're that good of friends. And he's like, Halo Top, do you like it? I was like, yeah, I love it. He's like, oh, I know the people who started this. I'm like, cool. He's like, do you want to have them on your show? I'm like, yes. So I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) So take us back to um, when you were a kid, did you love ice cream? Where do you think the seedlings of entrepreneurial stuff starts with you? Well, of course, I loved ice cream as a kid. Who doesn't still love ice cream now? Um, As far as the, uh, you know, the seeds of entrepreneurship or or however you want to phrase it, for me, it's all about control. And, And if anybody can tell me what to do, how to do it, when to do it, I my head wants to explode. So for me, right. it was always, some people would call me stubborn probably, but, uh, my wife included. Um, but for me that that's what it comes down to is I want complete control of my own life. And the only way to do that's to be your own boss. So, um, it, there's really no other I path. If, if Amen. Right. It's like you're either building your dream or you're building someone else's dream every day and they're telling you what to do on top of it. So when you went to college, what did you study? Uh, so in college, I was a double major, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense here, math and theology. Um, and I went to Georgetown, which is in D.C. So I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, math always kind of came easy to me. The uh, writing, reading and writing, not so much. So the theology, I like to say math kind of kept the GPA a little higher, and theology brought it back down. So. Interesting. But, yeah. And when you were in school, what did you think you were going to wind up doing with that? You know, I didn't have a clue. Um, I did not want to be an actual. <laughs> I did not want to be a professor. Um, and essentially, it was my junior year. And I said, you know what? People go to law school. I actually looked. I remember looking up like the the degrees that the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies had. And a ton of them had law degrees. So yeah. I said, I don't want to be a lawyer, but I also don't feel like working yet. So why don't I just go to law school? I can hang out for a couple nice. more years and uh, nice. I'll figure it out after that. So where did you go to law school? Um, I went to law school at uh, UVA, the University of Virginia. Yeah, but I grew up there, so it was kind of like I got to go home. It was great. I, I can't speak highly enough of um, my time at, at UVA. I had a great time. Okay, so then you graduate from law school, and what do you do? Yep, so graduate from law school. At the time, Entourage was on air, so I was like, man, it, it looks like Vince <laughs> has a really great life out in L.A., so I don't know a soul. Uh, I've got no friends or family, but I'm just going to pick up, go to L.A., live on the beach because it looks like a pretty cool life. So that's what I did. I only interviewed with law firms in L.A., Um, was fortunate enough to uh, get a job at one of those. And um, while I knew I had no interest in doing it, it paid well enough to let me move to L.A. and live on the beach, which is all I wanted to do. Which is what you you literally did, move to the beach. That's awesome. It was cool. a, the, the address was 2120 The Strand. It was actually called The Strand, which is like the wow. uh, the little boardwalk kind of in the beach town I was in. That's cool. Okay, so you start working at this law firm. And how many days in or months or years in do you say, I do not want to do this? <laughs> For me, it was quick. Like before I even started, I knew I didn't want to be there. And it's, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to each their own. Some people love the law. They, they love big law. They want to be a partner at a big law firm and they, they make the most of it. But, um, if you're like me, who it's like, you know, I, you just told me I have to cancel my dinner plans. I have to cancel my weekend plans. Like I I don't even like you. I don't like the company I'm working for. Like what, (laughs) what am I doing? I just was planning my exit from the day I stepped foot in the place. Wow. And that was, I love this. I love how clear you were 
and that we know there was a happy ending to this. So <laughs> how how long into this did you start to plan or you just said you were planning your exit from day one. So how long into it did this particular venture become crystallized? Um, so I was at the law firm, I guess, technically for two years, although I kind of I really checked out for the second year. And I, I think I put in my notice. I think I gave him like four months notice being acting like I just want to be nice and make sure you guys can find somebody else. I just didn't want to do work anymore. And I knew once I gave him notice, right. they stopped giving me stuff. So at any rate, I, uh, I got out after about two years and one of my other friends, Justin, who's now my business partner, he <laughs> hated the law almost as much as I did. I don't know if he could have hated it quite as well, He much. was also a lawyer. Was he with you at the firm? No, no, he was at a different law firm and we met in all things, uh, in a lawyer basketball league. So you can imagine the, the talent level of that league, just really high quality play. Um, <laughs> we met pretty much the month I moved out to LA, I got involved in that basketball league and he was in it. Um, so we just became friends and, you know, and it was actually, you know, during like warming up for one of the games, I told him I was quitting and, you know, he's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know, don't care, not doing this anymore. I'll figure it out. And he actually approached me and he said, well, you know, <laughs> I had this idea, you know, basically starting with Greek yogurt and what that had done to the yogurt category. I said, you know, I, I love ice cream. And um, this is Justin talking, not me. You know, yeah. I love ice cream. And, you know, what if you could create a pint of ice cream that you could eat by the pint, which is all anybody wants to do. Um, but you have to have yeah. taste good and have the right texture. So he told me about his idea. He had already uh, formulated. He was already to market. Um, he was already selling in, in, in a number of stores and essentially asked me to it, it had gotten so big and so time consuming that he needed to bring on a partner. So um, I, I was fortunate that he that I knew him and, and he gave me the opportunity. Now, I, I mean, I think we, we both made the most of it. And it was one of those things where I think we thought from day one, we were like, we've made it. This is the best idea ever. Like we're millionaires, let's go run off into the sunset. And then like <laughs> within like the first month, like we were humbled so quickly um, by just how hard it was and the the formula wasn't right and our, our customer retention wasn't great and the brand wasn't oh right. God. And you know, we went through years of uh, you know, really just pounding the pavement and, and I mean it's honestly it's a hustle. Just before you get into that, I just want to amplify for people who don't know where you were. Because like I said, the reason I found out about you is because a friend of mine knew you from Proskauer. So for those who don't know, you went to the best law school, without exaggeration, and you were at one of the best possible firms. Like what you were making and what you were on track to be able to make was, it's major that you were willing to give that up. Like I just want you to... I want you to illuminate about that for a second. Like, what is it like to get it selected to be at that firm? And what kind of money do people make when they stay at that firm and they put in their time and they stick with it? What, what kind of money can you well, make there? I, I think it's public. Uh, well, it's definitely public. If you go to above the law, you can see what everybody's salaries are. They're actually higher now than when I started. I think the starting salary for a first year law student in big law in one of the major markets, I believe they come out of law school making $180,000 base. Um, mm -hmm. and then, and then your bonus is usually, you know, 20 K plus that first year. So, I mean, coming out of law school, kids can make, you know, 200 K now, I think. Um, right. And if you stayed there, if you would have stayed there for five years, you could have made what? I, I mean, I imagine it's three, 400. I think it gets in that kind of range. Uh, you know, maybe probably in the 300 range after five years, but if you're there, 
you know, a decade or longer, you're definitely, and if you make partner again, I, <laughs> I was nowhere near partner. I left after two years. Um, but if you make partner, I think they, you know, income partners probably make half a million plus and equity partners. They definitely make north of a million, sometimes multiple millions. You went to a, a top law school and then landed like the job. Like if you were going to go to law school, that was the place to be. And you got the job and they loved you. And yes, within five to 10 years, you would have been making three, four or 500. And if you would have stayed, you know, 700, 800, maybe north of a million dollars and you left. So what was that like that moment when you were like, I'm willing to leave this and take this leap? I, I hear everything you're saying, but let me, let me paint the picture a little bit more from my end. Like it's when you have a lot of money and you can do anything you want with it and you don't have to take orders from somebody, that's not enough. Like there, there's these things called service partners at these law firms and I feel terrible for them. These are people who are partners who haven't had the time to develop their own book of business and so they just service the clients of other partners who are the rainmakers who have developed the business, but they, they're no more in control of their schedule or their life than I am as a first year associate. And it, to me, I just looked wow. down that I saw how many service partners there were. There's no room at the top. I think the big law model is completely broken. And within the next 10 years, you'll probably see significant changes to that. But, you know, I wow. just I looked at that and I saw that a lot of the partners aren't happy. I mean, you, it's hard to put into words, at least for me, how demoralizing the, the work was, how how bad the treatment could be um, and the work like you're not you're not saving the world. You know, you're not. This isn't like, yep. you know, Mr. Smith was the Washington. Like you're not doing it's it. It's not purposeful. Like, it doesn't feel purposeful. Yeah, I'm basically doing yeah. a deal for one private equity company, buying a company from another private equity company, and then they'll sell it back to each other yeah. five years later. And it's like, OK, like, <laughs> Great contribution. Yeah. Um, so it, when, when you right. think about it like that, it's kind of like it, it, there's no amount of money that would would have kept me there. It, it really is a to each their own to me. Like for some people, they they love that and, and they, they like the work and they like the challenges. Just for me, it was just not for me. Um, but, you know, it's not. No, it's not an easy decision. Like at the time, I didn't have a wife or a kid. That would have made it a lot harder. So, you know, at least I was, you know, single with little to no responsibility. I had student loan debt because I, I, you know, I came out of law school with probably 200K yeah. worth of debt. Yeah, um, that's not nothing. Yeah. So what happened? So when Justin said, come aboard, what was he willing to offer you? Was he willing to offer you anything comparable in terms of salary that you had at the firm? I imagine oh, neither no. one of Neither one of us could take salaries. No, we we, we started with uh So what did you do? No you just jumped out of the airplane yeah. and just free falled. Yeah, I mean look, it sounds so crazy re recounting this with you, but yeah, I mean neither one of us really thought about it. We we ran up credit card debts. We were both personally bankrupt. I took out a loan from like one of the predatory oh. lenders, you know, like lending club, how you get the junk mail where it's like you qualify for thirty thousand dollars of a loan or whatever. Um, that's were the your parents were your parents like, what are you doing? You I went probably to didn't. Georgetown at UVA and this is you're bankrupt. To, to their credit, they were very, very supportive. Now, I, I never disclosed <laughs> them just how dire the financial situation was for uh, for one or both of us. But I mean, look, we from day one, we you know, when I joined, we raised money. Um, we raised money. We, we, you know, pounded the pavement. We started selling product and. You know, we <laughs> it was up and down. Like we we got to the point where we could take small salaries, but then next quarter we'd have to just cut our salary and not take any to keep the company afloat. How long? Um, how long until you could take any salary? How many months? 
So let's see, in early 2013, I joined, I doubt we actually took a dollar out of the company in salary until the end of 13. And then the salary we took in 2014 and 15, it was not much. I'll just put it that way. It wasn't like, you know, we we weren't really taking vacations or anything like that. It was uh, enough to to pay for rent and pay for food and, and not a whole lot more. And did you leave did you leave the strand or did you move somewhere or what happened? You uh, stayed in LA? I stayed on the strand, but I talked my little brother into moving in with us so we could split the rent a third instead of a in a half. <laughs> so wow. that's how I managed the rent payment there. Okay. So then what did you do? I mean, take us through this because from twenty thirteen till now, Halo Top is it's everywhere. I go to Whole Foods, I go to Gelson's, there it is. I love the packaging. Everyone's talking about it. Uh, I hear the ads for it. Where, how did it get to be where it is? Tell, take us through that. How did you grow this brand and make it into what it is? So what are we, it's 2017 now. So it was probably, it was about four years of struggles, like real struggles. Um, and like I said, in, in 13, um, we did all right. We got into like Sprouts and we were in some Whole Foods uh, regions. And then we expanded kind of, you know, up and down the West Coast, Southwest in 2014, 2015, we actually went national with Kroger, but only with a couple SKUs uh, or a couple flavors. And then in 2016 is where we really hit the tipping point. And between 13 and 16, uh, so much happened. Like we 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 got discontinued at Sprouts, our biggest account at the time. We um, got discontinued at Gelson's, another store kind of in and around LA. Why? So we, Why? Know, we, what happened? Just, the, the product just wasn't good enough. So we we went to we went to market with. Um, a product that, you know, if you got it right off of the line, it was perfect and it was great. But that's not the con- customer's experience, right? It goes through 29 steps of the supply chain, you know, yeah. every step which will have errors. And then by the by the time of the end user experience, it just wasn't a good experience. So customer retention wasn't okay. great. Didn't get that much traction. And we were kind of just fighting to stay alive and not just get discontinued. So we, we begged accounts like Whole Foods and Kroger. We said, look, just give us another year. We'll get it right. In the meantime, um, we reformulated, I, I think it was at least three times. Um, and, wow. you know, that's wow. when we finally the, the taste and the texture right. Then we rebranded um, and that's where we got the brand right. So now if you kind of look at the brand um, in the aisle, the whole point that we were trying to make is not only something that's, you know, pretty and people want to take a picture of it and put it on Instagram, but also it's like a billboard that just screams it's healthy ice cream. You know, that's what we just needed like a oh, billboard. Oh, that's what it does. Yeah, yeah. First, when I first looked at it, I was confused because the packaging is so fun that I saw two things. I saw this is healthy and this is fun. And I was confused. I was like, wait, I get to have something healthy that's fun. And then I picked it up and I was like, does this mean it's like made of like fake things? And I was like, actually, no, like that's crazy. And then I so it intrigued me because it does tell you both of those things like this is cool. This is fun. This is sort of like luxury ice cream and it's healthy. And then it wound up tasting good. Yeah. And nobody believes it'll taste good. Right. So that that's kind of right. the, the eureka <laughs> moment that everybody goes through. And then they have to tell everybody like, holy crap, like I, I've got this ice cream that you can eat the whole pint, you know, and that that's the that's the word of mouth that really started to take off for us. And then what really put it over the top is in early 2016, um, we got two back to back articles, one in GQ and one in BuzzFeed. And that put millions of eyeballs on the brand. At this point now, we had rebranded and the formula was right. And that's when the thing right. just took off, you know, um, and then word wow. of mouth spread. Everybody wanted to talk about it. And, you know, it's been um, it's been great. And then on the marketing side, we do a, a ton of digital and social media marketing. And that, that's been the real focus. Um, 
from day one of our budget and kind of building this grassroots army of, of people who are just crazy about the brand and the product. Well, that's amazing because it, it didn't like take off right away and you stayed in it um, and you kept going back to the drawing board and you said you reformulated it, what, three times? Yeah, yeah. And that's, I tell you, those are, those are dark days. Like it, it is hard. My partner, I think, would probably say the same. I won't speak for him on this, but you know, it's, it's hard to put into words the stress that's on. Like neither one of us had a backup plan. Like we, we don't have... You know, we don't have a trust fund and, and we, we didn't have a job. Um, all we had was a bunch of credit card debt and other debt. Um, so for us, we just I mean, there wasn't any back. Like if this thing if this thing didn't work, we were both in, in pretty bad circumstances. And, you know, it, there wasn't really another option. It was just stay the course and, and figure out what's wrong. Try to correct it quickly enough before it's too late. And, and you, you can have the best idea ever. You can have the best people ever and the hardest workers ever, but you still need some luck. And we definitely got lucky uh, multiple times where, you know, we just we raised money just in time. You know, we reformulated just in time. We rebranded just in time. So, you know, we had we waited a couple months to raise money, we would have been bankrupt. Had we waited a, waited a couple months to reformulate, we would have lost more accounts and probably the company goes down. So it's it's crazy looking back at wow. all the things that had to go right exactly when they went right to, you know, put us in the position that we're in now. So at this point, how many employees do you have? We've gone from just two of us, uh, which was last February, to it's 50 plus now employees. Oh, my God. Um, Oh my God. Which trying to, to cope with that on the HR side is, uh, <laughs> it's pretty hard to hire that many people on um, that quickly. So, um, so you're not living, you're not living all sharing a three bedroom anymore. I'm not sharing a three bedroom. <laughs> I actually have a, a wife and a kid now and we have our own place. So I am, uh, not, not living, not living like that anymore. <laughs> Where are you now? Where do you live now? So I split time between Chicago and LA. So I'm in LA at least once a month, okay. if not more frequently. Got it. So how many stores is Halo Top in now? How many how many retailers are selling it? We're in about sixteen to seventeen thousand uh stores now, which we were in what? About sixteen 5, to seventeen thousand. Oh my god. Yeah. So we're in pretty much wow. every top fifty retailer that you can name in the US were grocery retailer we're in. Um absent, you know, some of the private label ones like Trader Joe's or Aldi. But other than those, we're in uh, pretty much every store. Yeah, I will say our, our our growth year over year from sixteen to fifteen. This one's public, and in a bunch of um, articles, was north of twenty five thousand twenty five hundred percent. So things uh things took off like a percent. Yeah, that's not bad. That's amazing. It's so amazing. Okay, so you now have four hundred and seventy seven thousand Instagram followers. So wow. that says to me you are relating to people on a very like. That's a very personal kind of a thing. It's not just, oh yeah, I buy this because it's good for me. That's like a, there's, you've got a tribe out there. What's your advice to people? How do you think you've been able to hit that bullseye with your marketing and connecting with people's hearts and souls in that way? Sure. Um, it's two things. I'd, I'd separate the product from the brand here. Um, number one, the product in and of itself, I mean, it, it sells itself, right? Hel healthy ice cream that's actually ice cream that actually tastes good. Nobody believes that exists. So when they find out a product like that exists, they want to tell everybody. Um, so the right. the product is number one. Um, but then on top of the product, we've taken a lot of care and time and effort and been very deliberate 
and trying to create a brand that is the opposite of kind of top down marketing. You know, we didn't want to give our product to celebrities and have celebrities tell people what to eat. You know, we really wanted to start grassroots um, and just connect on on such an anti-corporate level with an anti-corporate voice. So we we took all of it in-house. We don't outsource any of it. And we, we try to, as much as we can, make sure we respond to every comment and that we, you know, we're very relaxed and informal, you know, you just have the right voice where it's not like some, you know, stock response from some fortune 500 company. It's just copying and pasting stuff. It was kind of those two, the combination of the the brand and the product. The other thing that you guys have done so successfully is your sales. Like you went from being in a few places to 17,000 stores carrying your product. (laughs) So there's a lot of sales going on and there's a lot of conversations that go really well. How, what's your advice to somebody when you're going into that meeting, you know, in addition to having an amazing product, what do you think makes that happen? What are things that people can keep in mind when they're, you know, starting with the cold call and then there's an email and then there's a meeting? What are things that you think really make something sell? Uh, perseverance on this front. What I, what I mean by that is, you know, again, what do you mean by that? When we first started, the product wasn't as great as it is now. I mean, it, we didn't have the sale, even with a product that's great, if you don't have the sales and if it's new and if it's innovative, you're usually gonna be, they're called buyers. Those are the people at the retailers who control you know, what they put in the on the shelf. And, yeah. and most buyers oftentimes, if they, you know, they're very reluctant to, to launch new items, especially innovative items with, with little to no history of sales. So it, to me, it's a numbers game and, and you've got to, I've done everything from like, you know, they don't give out the information to buyers because they don't want the buyers inundated with emails and calls from brands. Yeah. So what I would do is yeah. I'd, so call the, do? I'd, I'd get the number to the corporate headquarters. I'd call them up. I'd pose as somebody else and just try to get the buyer's contact information. And then I'd send them an email or then I'd give them a call. Um, and look, that that doesn't work most of the time, obviously. But if you do it enough, then maybe you get one. Maybe you get one of the 11 Whole Foods regions to take you up. And that's all you need is one. It, you know, once you have a product and a brand, you know, as long as you get that chance, then you'll have, you know, at least six to 12 months to kind of prove yourself with sales and everything else. And from there, it can snowball. But it, it is it is definitely an uphill battle. And it's definitely a numbers game. And it's, in my opinion, it's just all about pounding the pavement and, you know, morning, noon, night, doesn't matter. You're just selling, selling, selling um, as much as you can. Wow. You said earlier, like, it's definitely a hustle. Take us into, like, if we could be a fly on the wall in the thick of that, what did that look like? What did it look like hustle? Do you mean waking up, like take us through like a typical day in that time. What does that hustle look like? From early on, Justin was, he was doing things like he'd pack up his pints in a cooler and dry ice in the back of his car and drive it to like an independent account, you know, on Ventura Boulevard in LA, you know, just to stock the shelves. And I mean, that's just, you know, he's... (laughs) That's a hustle. But and then from there, it goes to <laughs> its sales. Right. But I, when we launched 10 new, we started with four flavors, expanded to seven. And then we, we launched 10 new ones. The story on the 10 new flavors is we had a yeah. meeting, uh, the 10 new flavors that launched in October last year. We had a meeting with a retailer um, where the retailer yeah. said, Look, you're selling well. Do you have any new flavors? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we definitely do. And he said, you know, how many do you have? And I said, well, we have 10 that are coming out. And he said, well, can I have them? And I said, yeah. I said, how many do you want? He said, I want all 10 and I want them in all stores. And I was like, awesome, let's do it. And then I get out of the meeting and I call Justin. And I'm like, hey, so I just committed us to 10 new flavors 
within oh, four oh months, you know, going to X number of stores. And that's, again, <laughs> we, we hadn't even started developing the flavors, but it was just like, just say yes and figure it out later. So then we had a huge time crunch and all kinds of stress getting that together. But those are good problems to have. So, I mean, that's when yeah. I say hustle, I yep. mean, it's kind of both ways. You just have to be ready. And you really have to think on your feet and kind of a, every buyer is so different. They're, they all have big personalities. You have to feed their ego half the time. You know, it's just the, oh, God, it's just yeah. sale. Yep. yep. So what's your advice to someone who's saying, God, this sounds awesome, but my parents would think I was crazy if I left my job and I don't know if I could actually do it. And do you think it really happens or do you think it just happened to you? Do you think it would really happen to me? I think I should just settle and be miserable at this job forever. What's your advice? <laughs> I'd say never settle. That's, that's number one. Yep. It's, it's hard. So I guess I'll start by saying I, I was fortunate. My, my parents were extremely supportive of the decision. So that, that, that meant a lot and that, that helps. But e even if you don't have that, I, I just think life is too short. Like if you're not happy, make a change. You know, I, I just don't like people who aren't happy and aren't happy and aren't happy. And it's like, all right, make a change. Like, I don't know what the change is, but just make a change and, and you can be happy. And I'll say the hardest thing about starting a company and leaving a stable career is just taking that initial jump and actually doing it. But like once you get pushed off that ledge, like there's no going back. So that's the great thing about it. Like you can't, for the most part, you can't go back three months later and be like, hey, could I have my job back? They're like, no, we filled that with right, somebody right, else. Right, right. <laughs> so the, the best advice I can get is just keep pushing yourself to jump off the ledge because once you do, there's no going back. And, and as hard as it'll be, you really won't regret it. So Justin and I, we always say our hardest day at Halo Top. And man, we had a lot of hard days and probably will have a lot more hard days in the future. It beats tenfold our best day at the law firm. And with it, there's just absolutely no regrets, even if this thing failed. And both of us mean that. And we, <laughs> we look failure in the face many times, uh, even if it failed there were no regrets. Like we, we didn't care. Um, and, and we knew we made the right decision, um, and, and taking the leap, but it, it's, I'm not trying to act like the, or marginalize that it, it is a hard, hard decision to make, to leave something that's stable, especially if you have responsibilities and, and things like that, it's, it can be hard. So I, I fully empathize with that, but just do it. <laughs> just take the leap. Yeah, I think that that's so inspiring. I'm like sitting here listening. I'm just like, I can't, I didn't say anything because I'm just like soaking up everything you said. And it's not, it's so obvious when you're saying it and it's so true because it's how you're saying it. You're saying it like Shawshank Redemption. You're like, I'm so free. I'm so free of all that stuff. It's like that scene at the end when he gets out, he like stands in the rain with his shirt off. He's like, everybody wants that, that like sense of freedom. Okay, so you gave your advice about that. And when you're thinking, let's say, okay, you make that decision, you're going to make that leap and you're going to go for it. What do you think is like some of the most important pieces to focus on when you're building a business? Do you think it's product? Is that the most important? Is it sales? Is it your branding? Is it the story about your product? Is it the team? What do you, what's one thing you want to leave us with that you think is like, okay, now you're going, focus on this. Make sure that you give this a lot of attention. I would, I guess I would start with the team and that would start with your business partner. So I, I think assuming you want to partner with somebody and I, I would highly recommend that misery loves company It is so much better to go through the tough times with somebody um, yeah. who's on the same page and doing it with you and somebody that you can, that nobody else is going to fully understand what you go through mentally. It is such a, a difficult ride mentally when things aren't going well and, and when the company might go yeah. under at any moment, it really helps to have somebody in the trenches with you who you can talk to and things like that. But I, I, 
that's the most important decision is, is who you do that with. You want to make sure it's somebody who, you know, is on the same level of, as you in terms of like work ethic and, and vision and, and everything else, just to make sure you're aligned. Yeah, and then the other thing I, I do think advice. that expands to the wider team too, right? So we've had to learn and we've made some mistakes as, as anybody will, but don't be afraid, you know, just make your mistakes and learn from them and think critically about them. But, you know, as you hire out and build out a team, it's really important that you kind of get similarly like-minded people around you. So we, we focus on, you know, entrepreneurial people. We, we don't micromanage. We really want people who come in, you own your own position. You're the CEO of your position. You tell me yep. what your position should That's be awesome. doing. And we try to live by that. So I, I really think the people make it. I, I will say without a great product, there is no company though. So you definitely want to make sure that your product, your idea, your service, whatever it is, make sure you really have that right um, kind of before before you do anything. Because to me, it's like a clothing company for the most part is just a brand. It's not so much about the product. I guess the designs are different, fine. But for the most part, it's like it's brands, right? Especially in the mass market. Yep. And to me, if all you have is a brand, if all we made by, by way of example was a, a full calorie, full fat, full sugar ice cream that tastes great, like well, congrats. Who can't make an ice cream with tons of fat and sugar that tastes right. great? Like that that's kind of hard to right. do. But then oh, we attach some cool like LA brand to it. Then we're just selling a brand and brands are trends. They come and die. So I I'd be very wary yeah. of that and um, you know, just make sure your product or your service really can stand on its own without the brand. Yep, that's good advice. Um, what's the best advice you ever got? It's it was probably my dad. Um he grew up, you know, lower middle class. He's very blue collar. And it was essentially, you know, he basically said you, you can fool everybody in the world, but you can't fool the man in the mirror. So I always think about that when it comes to, you know, any relationship, business, personal, whatever in life, you know, you, you always have to go home and look at yourself in the mirror. You know, you're not going to be able to lie to yourself or it's pretty dangerous if you can. So I try to be pretty, uh, pretty wary of that and, and think critically about, about all, all the stuff that I do. God, that's good advice. That is so powerful. That just like blew my mind for a second because <laughs> I find in my life sometimes I'm like asking a lot of people their opinions and I'm like doing stuff and I'm, you know, everyone else around is happy and it's like you forget to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what do you really want? What do you really think is true? Yeah. Because you know. Yeah, that's really good advice. Wow. Well, you can, you, you can thank my dad for that. <laughs> I can't I take him. credit. I love him. What does he do for a living? Uh, he is a circuit court judge in the state of Virginia. So that's the, it's the highest oh. trial. Court. It's not an appellate court, but yeah, that's, that's what he does. His nickname is Diesel. His name's Dan. So we call him Diesel Dan. <laughs> that's awesome. It's obvious that somebody gave you a lot of strength because you, you didn't just swim with the other fish. You, you, you decided to make a really big choice and you asked yourself really, honest questions and you created a really cool life for yourself and this story i'm sure everyone listening is really inspired but i'm sure just everyone around you just seeing you do your thing it's inspired other people to do their thing so i'm so happy you you were here so uh before you go just tell us where can people find halo top if they haven't found it uh where can they find it <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, in pretty much any grocery store, so everything from, you know, Walmart, Target, Kroger, all the way down to your Whole Foods wow. and um, the other kind of natural food stores. So check us out. What's your favorite flavor? Uh, hands down peanut butter cup, although we do have some new flavors in development. So stay tuned for uh, announcements on that front. 
That's really awesome. Uh, you're awesome, fun, sm- so, so smart. Um, and uh, I loved, loved getting to spend this time with you. So thank you. I, I, you're going to build my head up too much here. Nah, it's just a good mirror. Once in a while, you deserve to, to see it back. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Here. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity and the time. I love talking to you, Doug. That was so much fun. Okay, here are some of my takeaways. Number one, stay the course. Figure out what's wrong and correct it quickly enough before it's too late. Number two, persevere. Keep putting yourself out there. Sometimes just one buyer is all it takes for a breakthrough. Number three, just say yes and you'll figure it out later. Number four, never settle. Number five, life is too short to be unhappy. If you aren't satisfied, make a change. Number six, the hardest part is taking that initial jump. Once you leap off that ledge, there's no going back. Number seven, work with someone who will join you in the trenches and fight with you during the hard times. Number eight, make sure your product or service can stand on its own without the brand because brands are trends. They come and die. Number nine, the worst day at your dream job is still tons better than the best day at your day job. Number 10, you can fool everybody in the world, but you can't fool the man in the mirror. Okay, guys, that's all for us here. I will talk to you next week. I'm looking forward to it. We have a bunch of amazing guests coming up over the next few weeks, so stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. And if you like this episode, if you liked any other episode that we've done, go ahead right now while you're inspired, um, while you're feeling all this love for me, and uh, post it. Share it on Instagram. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. It means the world to us. It allows us to keep doing what we're doing when the more people listen to it. Please support our sponsors and please follow me on Instagram at kathy.heller. That's C-A-T-H-Y dot H-E-L-L-E-R. And I will be running a contest soon. So look for that on my Instagram page. Hope you guys have an awesome week and I'll talk to you next week. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street and producer Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.